Hello, dog. Well, hey there, Karen. Hey there, listeners. How's it going? It's going. We missed you last week. Oh, thank you. And I missed you guys. But, but I have two really important things to say. I am never not working for you guys. So I was on vacation. I was on flights last week. And you know what I did? You watched all the Melrose Place episodes. That's exactly what I did. No, did you? All seven seasons worth on one flight. No, no, no. Uh, That's what I did. But (laughs) this is what I did. I was flying back here from Vegas uh, a week ago. uh, Exactly a week ago. And they were doing a marathon of Law & Order. Ooh. And it's it was from the first season, like the third and fourth, fourth and fifth, fourth and sixth, whatever episodes in the entire series. And I was watching an episode, and guess what? What? Thomas Calabro was the guest star. Really? And, and, and the the guilty party, in fact. Ooh. Yeah, he played this. So this is like 1990. This would be oh, like okay. two years before Melrose started. And um, yeah, I was watching on mute. Like it was, I wasn't actually. Um, listening with my headphones and I just sort of had it playing and then I was like oh my god look I mean my eyes just darted over and it was uh it was Calabro and um that he was uh he was like uh I think he murdered some woman and turned out he had a history of violence he was like a like a Wall Street preppy d-bag kind of guy and then the very next episode uh someone gets murdered in the beginning and Vanessa Williams or Rhonda was a witness <gasps> Rhonda! So it was a double dose of uh, some, I mean, Melrose Place OGs, just one outlasted the other for a bit. But I never not in tune with the heart of this podcast. Aww. And I, I have something else to say. Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off. You can go ahead. In fact, you go well, ahead. Well, my question was, and I feel like maybe we've talked about this and I've forgotten, where, what? Is Thomas Calabro still working? Like, is he, is he still, does he still have a career now or is he directing or where'd he go? I think the answer is no and then yes. I don't think he's officially not working. I don't think he is retired, but I have only seen him do one thing not related to Melrose since leaving the show. And that was like a quick, small part on one episode of Nip Tuck years, years later. But I don't think he's, like, I think he has credits in things, mostly in TV, but I think they're one-offs. He's in something on The Last Ship, which I think was TNT. Um, it says he had seven episodes on that series in 2018. Um, but I don't know anything about it. I Like, it's it's all been pretty far below the radar with him. That, that kind of hits, that kind of strikes me as sad. Like, it feels like Melrose was, like, that show that he wasn't able to, like... Do, like he wasn't able to like do anything much beyond yeah i mean place, almost right? everyone else got something out of it it may not have been the kind of career track they wanted but just about everyone even if it didn't happen immediately was able to do other things and he really kind of never resurfaced yeah which yeah. is a real shame which and is maybe shame. it's the thing of like you you did stay too long though i don't yeah. know there's pro- i think there's probably other x factors um career-wise personal life-wise that that may have played into that we'll never know although we can try reaching out and see if he'll do an interview but we'll never know no i don't think he'll want to talk about that so thomas clobber how can your career but if we were to talk about his experience with the show (laughs) 
we could ask certain things. As a journalist, you know, you can always ask certain things. I know, but it feels, you know, I'm a friendly journalist. That that just feels like it's like a, yeah, that that feels like a sandbagging moment. Because the truth is, we would just get caught up in like interviewing him and it being a love fest. Because how would you love love him? Because I adore him. Yeah, and we do. Um, although, I mean, it's all kind of being tested right now. But, okay, so before we get started with um, tonight's recap in earnest, something else that I realize, it's our fifth anniversary of this podcast this week. This week? Yeah. February of of 2017 was wow. when this began. Wow. Huh. No idea. It's been five years. Five years. That's crazy. That is crazy. And how many years did Melrose last? Seven. So we're ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're doing it almost every week, and they didn't. They took breaks. God uh, bless. To their credit, not as many breaks as all other TV does. Those I know. seasons, as we know, are long. I know. God, I could use a break. Holy shit. Okay, so let's dig in. Yeah. And then we can take the break after. Yeah, where are we? We're season seven, episode... Season seven, episode ten. Ten. Dr. Jealousy. Yeah. Which doctor, I guess we're talking about, Michael. We are. I I just assumed it was going to be Peter. I don't know why, but yeah, it's Michael. It's Michael. I mean, I guess broad strokes, just to say... I didn't hate this one. There's, yeah, I mean, almost every storyline is drastically different from each other. So it's kind of like, if you don't think this one is fun, something else might be your thing. And, um, I mean, it's dumb. It is it's dumb, not, but, but it's, it's not off putting. It's not, it's not like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to watch this. Um, although I do feel that way whenever Lexi comes up. Okay, so. You know our hero Ken Hart. Yeah, at some loves point, Lexi. At some point, you should probably reach out to him on the socials and just be like, "I know you said that you loved Jamie Lunar. Did you like Lexi in the last season? Because I, I mean, and I can do this too. Because I want to know if he's like the character sucked, but she was fun with it, or I really thought that was a fun character." And is he really talking about the last season in particular when they when she dyes her hair and becomes really awful? Because she's she's sort of I mean not only is the character just sort of turning out to be awful, she's I don't I don't think he's very good. I'm sorry, Ken. We're sorry, I, Ken. I'm so oh, sorry, Ken. He actually sent me a note on Twitter. Ah, we we were just posting. Now? No. <laughs> he was like, I know what you're saying. He's like, this podcast Jamie- isn't live, but I know. <laughs> and Jamie Lunar is the best. <laughs> you two are hexed. <laughs> Jamie Lunar was actually beaming in, and she reached out. <laughs> no, um, I think Alyssa tweeted something about like guilty pleasures, and then he picked up on that and said, I would come on again if you guys did an episode about guilty pleasure watching or something like that. And I was like, we should. So okay. just an idea down the road. Okay. But nice, nice to know that. that Pack he's that away. He's so much not, fun. Never, not, never done supporting. He's him. so much fun. And yeah. I don't want him, I don't want him to come on and I don't want to sandbag him, but I really, I, I love Ken, but I'm questioning this. I'm questioning his love of Jamie Lunar. 
Yeah, I mean, I always liked Jamie Lunar before the show, but if I were to base it just on Lexi, um, no, I couldn't. I what couldn't is she like doing her. with her voice, too? Because all of a sudden, she's very deep. You know, I think it's like how she thinks she has to play bad. I don't know. I mean, my problem with this is they have flipped this character upside down to try and make her evil. And there's a lot of ways you can play bad in a good way on TV, but you really have to, like, drive scenes in a fun way. And she was like, Darth Vader. Like every time yes. she comes into a scene, it's like, uh, what, you know, like, how is she going to try and bring everything down now? And As opposed to like, just, and she's just like being in. Taking off her clothes. Like, I know that's not her. I know that's probably the show, like the director, <laughs> the writers, whatever. That's the but, writing. It, but it's like they've decided that like every time Lexi is in like a room, she's got to take off her clothes. And I'm, yeah. and I'm like, that's like a level of desperation that's just you know with the show it feels like because they're like oh, well yeah. nobody's watching us so we'll just have all the hot chicks get naked and you know heather locklear was like go fuck yourself i'm heather locklear and so like <laughs> i wonder if yeah like i think that's what happened i think they're a like desperate and just bored of their own storylines and i mean the writers and i think somehow they're like every time we have someone taking off an article of clothing we can use that when we do the commercial to, for the promo every week. So I, I don't know, but that I blame the writers more than I blame her, but Lexi is like a terrible character. Yeah. It's a terrible character. It's she gets a, her storyline is awful. Um, and I, and I get that poor Jamie Lunar can't, there's not much here for her to work with, but it's like every, like her, her voice drops 10 octaves and she's constantly taking off her clothes. And I'm just kind of like, what the ever loving fuck. And she's doing the thing with Peter that she did with Coop, right? Where she was like trying to seduce Coop in a way that's like, I know you're terrible and I know you don't love me, but fuck it. You're going to have sex with me and you're yeah, going to make like, you love I me. I hate you and I'm going to punish you and have sex with me now, which is like not really how like it ever works with Pat. No, that's not so, really. Yeah. 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 And it's, a, and so she's kind of like now doing the same thing with Peter and it just all sucks. Yeah. So unfortunately there is a lot of Lexi through this episode and we will just grin and bear it every time we uh, get to her part. But this episode starts with the worst thing ever, which is an alarm clock going off. And it was the exact alarm that I had when I was like all through the 90s, junior high, high school, um, beep, beep, waking up at the butt crack beep, of dawn. Beep, yeah. Beep. But it's like, it's like slightly longer than that. It's like, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. I mean, I don't know if I had, I don't know what alarm I could use at like 5.30 in the morning that I ultimately wouldn't have some sort of aversion to, but that will, that will never win me over. Oh. But here's the thing. So we're in Michael and Jane's house, or Michael's house, which is Kimberly's house, whatever. Michael and Jane are in bed. Alarm's going off. Michael shuts off the alarm. It's 8.30 a.m. I don't think I've needed an alarm for 8.30 in ages. I can't remember when. Oh, I didn't realize it was 8.30, but wow, they slept in. Yeah, I'm like, is that when you start your day? Yeah, and, and think about it. Like, Jane has to go work for Amanda, who is not very forgiving. And think about that L.A. traffic, because they live all the way at the beach. I mean, they have very busy mornings. Either they're getting started at 5 a.m. for all the conversations they have to have, or they're getting to work at noon. It's got it's one or the other. Yeah. So maybe and, they don't get to yeah, work until noon. Factoring traffic, unless they're shopping, choppering, helicop, heli Wow, you know what I'm trying to say. Yep, flying. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. So, 
helicoptering. Helicoptering. Flying, getting a chopper, whatever. That's whatever a weird word. Helicopter. Hello. Are you drunk this Helicop- week? <laughs> no. Just checking. Just wondering. Because <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> Call back to last week. <laughs> or last pod. Um, all right. Uh, let's. We got it. We've got right, to on. move this forward. Yeah. So, broad strokes. Um, Jane asked Michael if he slept with Megan. He says no. They move on. She explains that um, she's got a new job working for Amanda, and he doesn't even question. He's like, "Oh, you're a fashion designer, and now you're working in advertising." He's like, "Oh, that's cool." Oh, okay. <laughs> He's what? like, "It's like I because uh, I brought in a client." And um, we don't. He, she doesn't tell him who the client is, but she doesn't need to because all of a sudden at eight thirty one a.m. there's a knock at the door, and it's Alex Bastian, <laughs> famous <imagine> designer. <laughs> <laughs> what a coinky dink! Um, and and Michael moves real quick because uh, he he realizes kind of like what may be going on and punches out Alex. Um, so Alex picks himself off the floor and leaves and Jane yells at Michael and she gets ready for work and she calls him a jerk. And that's pretty much our cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So there, we're really now getting an overload of, uh, Ryan, Kyle's brother, who I think is just in his third episode of the show. Um, so we see him in boxers getting his morning paper and he sees Megan walking downstairs and, Apparently is hit by the thunderbolt. So um, yeah, like literally, like talk about insta love. Uh, and it is not reciprocal. So um, <laughs> meanwhile, we're cutting back and forth to see Kyle and Ryan getting ready to leave their apartments so they can meet up and play basketball together. But once they are out, this really serious music plays, and we like zoom in on Amanda in her apartment. Um, and unlike last week, where it largely went un unseen. Um, she goes, she remembers the diary and she goes and she gets the mm-hmm. page that she torn out. Um, and we get another real quick flashback to this newly invented storyline from her past that involves like some guy falling from some great height. Uh, and then we go to Kyle and Ryan playing basketball and Kyle complains that he's unhappy because he thinks Amanda is protecting Peter and that's why she tore the page out and he thinks it has something to do with whatever Matt has in the diary. And it's like, this is the smartest Kyle has ever been. Like, all of a sudden, he is Hercule Poirot putting all this together <laughs> when he's just been, like, a Neanderthal for the last two years. It's still hot, though. Yeah, I mean, he looks good. He looks great. And you know what yeah. I was wondering through his scenes? Because, like, it, I feel like he was on the cusp of that transition to actors becoming like buff at, or needing to become like a little bit more buff and cut than uh, than they were before. Like I feel like he was kind of like right on that cusp because now we have all these actors that clearly are gym bros. I feel like he was told or or got like some saw some sign that was like you know what, you kind of have to step it up and go to the gym more for the show. Like, we really want to show more of you. Yeah, I wouldn't put a past production to tell him that. Well, anyway, he's still a hottie. So Kyle can suck, like, six ways to Sunday, and I will still enjoy watching him. 
Fair enough. Okay. I, I will bring this up the next time Kyle really sucks. But yeah. Because right. I like me some man candy every once in a while, and he is delicious. Well, yeah. If uh, He is your best bet on this show for that now. Um, but uh, Alyssa pointed out that she thinks uh, Ryan is a good uh, job in casting someone to play Kyle's brother. Like, there is a resemblance there. Yeah, I was noticing that there is there is a slight resemblance and also a big resemblance in the can't act department. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, but they you, try. Yeah, I know they try. But, you know, I, I forgive. Kyle. I don't find the brother there half as good looking, though. No, I no, I think Kyle is like both handsome and cute. Yes. And I think this guy is just kind of like you look like you go to the gym. You're not you're, you're not bad, but you're not great although part of that is they're making his character such a douche nozzle right off the bat well they're making uh, yeah i don't know that he's that much of a douche nozzle so much as he's mr no personality but he's like kind of like cheesy cliche like alpha guy right i mean i guess although i'm not even really seeing an alpha i'm just kind of seeing he's like that guy he's a wall street guy so maybe he is doing a good job. He's he's just like that sort of like nondescript, like Wall Street bro that you'd run into in Fitty, and get see what I did. Like I can't even believe I just called that Fitty. Ew, the financial district. It's Fi Die. Right? Uh, is it Fi Die? I thought it was Fitty. It's stupid either way. It is yeah. stupid either way. Um, you know, like that you'd run into in one of those really terrible sports bars that they have down there, and he just is sort of like not very interesting yeah a bro a bro he's just a bro and in that regard i guess he's doing a good job isn't he (laughs) i guess he sees what they're serving and he knows how to hit it and you know and and it just you go you understand why megan's like oh dude yeah megan is 100 percent in the right throughout this entire episode until i maybe rediscover something in my notes that i disagreed with i just think he's he's a jerk face without being really a bad guy in this episode it's he's just too incessant yeah but also yeah he's not particularly great no. i think we might see that as the season continues and and he's he's not terribly good looking um no nah. he but... doesn't give the same eye candy so that's why i'm a little bit short with him i'm, I'm having some issues with his storyline because at least i get the eye candy with kyle Fair. No yeah. argument there. So the the bad news is we now have our first Lexi scene of the episode. But Ugh. the good news is it's actually my one of my favorite moments of the episode. Okay. Because she is now just like Cruella DeVille on this show. And she's <laughs> like, anytime they can unleash her nastiness, they just will. So <laughs> she was able to, I guess, pay everything. And so she is like the CEO and running all of Sternway Conway Enterprises and has, I guess, just turned it into an ad agency. I so, it's an ad. It's so random. Meanwhile, so she's got this, I guess, new employee, but someone who's probably like a mid-level career woman in advertising. And the first thing we see is her like really tearing into this woman. Um, and the woman is actually 
smart enough to say like will you let me speak now usually they just like let the mean character that's in the opening credits yell but this one is actually trying to talk back but it like doesn't matter lexi is just like letting her this employee have it and that's when megan shows up megan again who has no real corporate experience in any regard um but has been offered a, a big like high-ranking ad agency role um, she comes in and asks for the job that she turned down before. Mm. Um, so the Lexi goes and fires this other poor woman. Um, and uh, and that's that for that poor woman. And Megan is now um, hopscotching over everyone in the ad world. Uh, poor Allison, who <laughs> was still in reception at this point. Um, and uh, Lexi says something about competing with amanda so then we cut to the amanda woodward advertising agency and jane comes in she has to apologize um because she thinks she has lost alex bastion as a client since michael clocked him and she's like if you want to fire me because i lost him no hard feelings (laughs) amanda's like yeah he called he uh has you know like had to put an ice pack on his head or whatever but he's still in and so jane's like oh he's still our client and amanda's like yeah and by the way if we did lose him, there would be hard feelings. Yeah, I love that. I love that when she was like, yeah, there are hard feelings, but okay. Um, okay, so Michael is now at work, and he sees Peter dodging calls on his private line because it's all stupid-ass Lexi, just like did pranking you, him. Yeah, did you get this? Like, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? No, this is maybe the dumbest thing they've done. Okay, so you have dirt on Peter. You hate Peter. You want to get back at Peter, so you are just calling him and then hanging up for a while like you want to terrorize him or gaslight him somehow fine that's one thing but that's not what you're doing it's just stupid and ultimately could give yourself away especially because you and i know there's star 69 yeah um also peter is like seven minutes past just getting shot in the chest and he's sounding and looking pretty good Oh, he's to- he's totally fine. He's totally healed. I think I think there was a mention of that too. Like it was they like do. Peter, Someone you were shot. It later on, <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm all good. It does come up once later on, but otherwise, <laughs> like we have we have moved on. So um, yeah, like uh, Buffy, he has accelerated healing, I guess. Um, and then the the scene like pivots for Michael is telling Peter the whole thing about Alex Bastion and and how so this is where Doctor Jealousy starts to come in where Michael is now jealous that Jane will um, be tempted again by Alex as she was that one night all those years ago um, and and so he decides he's gonna test Jane he's like I'm gonna. I'm going to withhold sex from her and she'll be so starved for sex that I'm really going to see if that will tempt her to go with someone else. So Lysistrata Mancini over there. (laughs) All I could think about when I was watching this was does this like reverse Lysistrata storyline even work? Like why are we, why do they, why, why? Why? Yeah, why is, why is a great question. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I have no answer. But as we find out, like it really doesn't amount to that much. Um, it it amounts to zero. Yeah. Um, where are we at? Kyle's. Oh yeah. Megan shows up to give her notice because she's gonna start being ad agent extraordinaire that day. Uh, <laughs> Kyle is not there, so Ryan is just hanging out in the back office and this is when ryan actually gets to speak to megan for the first time so she like gives her one day notice um 
Karate. And he asked her out, and she's like, no, I'm happy eating alone these days. Because, you know, she's been burnt by Michael and Coop. And life. Um, meanwhile, Amanda and, I guess Kyle wasn't at the restaurant because he was home to have a nice date with Amanda. And Amanda comes home late, so all Kyle does is pout. And But he looks so good so when he, he pouts. Sure. All right, Karen. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, he's easy on the eyes. Fine. He is easy on the eyes. Um, so he basically walks out because he's like, you were late and I don't care. And um, so Peter then goes to his therapist, the one who spilled the beans last week to Lexi about his um, confession about this dumb fake Amanda kidnapping, Amanda napping. The Amanda napping. <laughs> and um, so he's like cooking. He's watching a cooking show and uh, cooking for himself. And Peter shows up and he's like, he tells him about the phone calls and and then he says something about, you know, did you tell anyone else about what I said about Amanda? And he's like, well, don't you remember you confessed to Lexi? And at first I was like, oh, wait, is he trying to get himself out of trouble by lying to Peter to make him think that? But no, because that was how Lexi got it out of him. Yeah. She seduced him and, and you know, was vague about it. And Peter is able to unpack how she used him to get the goods. Um, and there's one of the great lines of the episode when Peter is like, we've been had, Doc, by the biggest bitch of them all. <laughs> I mean, that's like Betty Davis quality right there. Yeah, that was good. Um, okay, so we've seen this woman before. Amanda's assistant, Julie, has now been in this episode earlier because she shows up very quickly when Jane like barges into Amanda's office. And she's also the one who took Amanda to the hospital the episode before or a couple episodes when Amanda was uh, injured at the photo shoot. Um, so this assistant, Julie, comes in with a ticket for San Francisco where Amanda has to go to do some sort of damage control stemming from that torn out page that we don't really know anything about. But so we never get like, to see this, which was so frustrating. No. And to it me. happens real quick. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was so frustrated. Like I really thought that they were going to, we were going to go to San Francisco with her and we were going to finally see something, mm -hmm. maybe find out what happened to the niece and nothing. Right. No, none of that. So all the assistant is like, here's your ticket for San Francisco and you have to leave right now. And Amanda's like, okay, remember, no one can know where I am. And then we have like another quick flashback to this person falling or being pushed from some height. We get another crank call to Peter. <laughs> Only this time, finally, Lexi talks to him. Um, and this is when she... Lexi all along. Yeah, shock. <laughs> Everyone thinks they've got one up on someone else here. Um, and this is when I think Lexi asked about the bullet wound. And it was like, oh, yeah, he was shot two days ago. Um, and she says that she knows about the kidnapping thing and she has to meet him for a drink. Um, and then Michael comes in and, I mean, Hercule Poirot again. He, he talks about how he started doing some research on, on what body, lane, body language can tell you and how he's going to use it to catch Jane in a lie. And I, Jack Wagner really does seem to be having a lot of fun in this scene because he's like can barely even tolerate like michael's ridiculousness um yeah he kind of has he's kind of laughing through the whole yeah thing. yeah yeah and they find you know peter finally kicks michael out of the office because he's like you're a fool um small shout out to today's musical guest which is a band i've never heard of called five easy pieces um 
they sound very late nineties. But they they're named after do. but they're one of my named after one of my favorite Jack Nicholson movies and movies of the seventies. So like props for that. How'd you catch who it was? Because I didn't They I didn't said see in them. the credits. In I the didn't opening see the credits. Cre- oh, I missed it in the It credits. said either right before the rest of the cast, the guest actors, or right after. I think it was right before. It was like musical guests, five easy pieces. Because I would have never known otherwise. I kind of vaguely recall them. Uh, no, I had like no vaguely, memory vaguely, like very vaguely. No, but I remember that sound because it sounded like everything sound. else I was listening yeah, to. Yeah, very 90s sound. Um, and so then Peter's waiting for Lexi and she shows up deliberately late just to annoy him more. And they sort of like lay their cards out on the table. She says she wants him back, but she wants him to sweat. Like she really just wants, she's just like so full of hate. She just wants to fuck with him. Um, she's like, I want you, I want to see you sweat. So I'll be in touch. I mean, that's, that's basically where they leave it until the next time they see each other. Right. I think so. Like she thinks she's dangling more than she is, but because Peter's kind of stupid, it's actually enough ammunition. So we'll see. But also that night at Kyle's Ryan is having dinner um, with Kyle, and he sees Megan come in because it's the only restaurant in town, so she's there to pick up takeout and walk it all the way home. Um, and of course, Ryan continues to be smitten at second sight or third sight. Um, and Ryan and Kyle have this like inane high school conversation where he's like, I want to talk to her, but I can't say anything else to her, so can you talk to her? And like, even Kyle says how it's like a high school conversation. Um, so he goes over to Megan and he's like, congratulations on the new job. And it doesn't seem like it's hard feelings that she gave him zero notice. Um, and, and, and she's like, yeah, I'm already so busy. Lexi has piled all this work on me, which is like, there are hundreds of people at this company and she's giving it all to you. I mean, I understand Lexi's not going to do anything because she's too busy putting on and taking her clothes off and making <laughs> phone calls that she doesn't talk on, but but maybe you're not the one. Now, did you think that... Did you find the clinch between Kyle and um, Megan, Megan a little bit much? That they hugged? Yeah, and it was it lingered. And there was a kiss in there that kind of lingered. And I was sort of... I was watching going, God, thank, good thing Amanda isn't around. Um, No, I didn't, actually. I, was, oh. I, I think I was just happy to see them, like not have an additional conflict and like, cause I just think that's how people would and should act. Mm. Um, no, it didn't seem overly long to me. Okay. Um, but anyway, so then uh, Kyle does this like bait and switch where he ends up having Megan sit with Kyle or Kyle does it. So my, Megan sits with Ryan, just the two of them at dinner and like, like a fool she does. I mean, if someone did that to me, I'd be like, no, I was going to get my food to go. I'm leaving. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm out. Um, but it's a big night at Kyle's because Michael and Jane are there with Alex. It's a work dinner, but Michael has like weaseled his way in. Cause again, Lysistrata Mancini does not trust his uh, old ex-wife, new fiance. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> um, and they, I think Alex says they met when they were applying for the same job, that was the first time he saw her. So I guess I always thought Jane was in college, but didn't go to grad school. So was she in some sort of design grad program 
and that's when she might have been applying for the job. I don't know. I don't know, but my my feeling was it was just kind of like one of those like college jobs where you're working oh, in a like just like folding clothes at the Gap. Oh, oh, but, I see. Okay, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we'll never know. But this is for one brief second, it becomes a Hitchcock movie because you know Michael the spy thinks he sees a tell. Um, when the other guy like scratches his nose or whatever, um, and the nose scratch. So of course it escalates, and then you know like Alex says he knows that Michael was mad because of the one night stand, and Michael gets up and he's like, "Listen, I punched you. It wasn't because of the past. It was so you know what'll happen if you do it again, or like something like that." But then he leaves. Um, and then we cut back across the restaurant. This dinner with Ryan is not going very well. Megan thinks he's arrogant because he's saying all the wrong things. And he really is like kind of over-assuming that she might really like him and that he like has any sort of game here. Mm. Um, and she kind of says that, look, I've had bad experiences with men and I've used men like crutches. And then she changes her mind and tells the waiter that she's going to get her food to go after all. Whatever she's eating cannot possibly be traveling well at this point. Um, and meanwhile, in record time, uh, Amanda comes home. Um, and Kyle knows that she was in San Francisco for two hot minutes because I guess he came by during lunch to take her out as a surprise. And Jane said, Oh, Amanda's not here. She's in San Francisco for the afternoon, which wasn't Amanda clear that she told her assistant, don't tell anyone else. No one can know I'm in San Fran. Well, Jane knew. So what kind of secret was this? (laughs) So it's like, it's where we have been. Kyle thinks Amanda is hiding something and so they start getting all testy with each other he grills her a bit and then she's like anything else you haven't grilled me about the missing diary page all day and he goes off to bed and he's like you know if you want to come that's up to you and that's I think where we go to commercial (sighs) so then uh, Megan is not the only one being fast tracked at her new job because Amanda knocks on Ryan's door the next morning she needs him to help her secure this new client out in Arizona. Um, I don't really understand what she's trying to do to win over this client who looks like real small potatoes, but I really, uh, I'm just not going to bother trying to. And the, well, the whole client thing is very weird, but anyway. Yeah. I think Skylar Soap. Is that yeah, the, Skylar the, the Soap. client? Skylar yeah. Soap. Um, and so the next thing we see is a car on the road in Arizona. But wait, it's not Ryan. It's Megan's BMW, which has just broken down on the side of the road in Arizona, where Ryan just happens to be driving by. They both got like, like it's a mad, 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 mad world. And they're both chasing the same thing. They happen to get there at the same time for the same client. Like they could have just put something in there with Lexi telling Megan something in the beginning. Just to slightly set this up more, it's still inane, but it would at least be like following the rules of structure. Like, okay, there is this client. I don't know why it's a desirable one, but this one's going after it and this company's going to go after it. Um, So anyway, um, Megan needs help because she can't change her flat tire because the spare is flat. Um, So Ryan is like man condescending to her and he's like, the desert's no place for a woman. He's trying to scare her by, like, talking about 
snakes, snakes that he snakes. saw on Discovery Channel or something. So he helps her, and he, I think he says he used to be a gas jockey. Yeah. So he got away with the car. Remember that. Um, and he <laughs> offers to drive her. They're in, I forget, they're like right outside Phoenix, but they're trying to get to some other place that I can't remember the name of, a smaller town. Um, it'll come to me later, I guess. And so Lysistrata Mancini finds uh, wherever Jane's gym is, she's in the steam room. So he like talks and walks his way, towel bound into the women's steam room. And luckily it's just the two of them. Uh, he starts to apologize. And yet she is actually the one who like kind of says, no, you don't need to, don't worry about it. And all seems to be well between the two of them and they start kissing. But then Michael brings up Alex Bastion. Um, and she like tries to shut him up and they kiss some more. And then Michael, I mean, he does what I thought the point of his storyline was. He goes, I don't think we should have any more sex before the wedding. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Hey, someone can come in. So then she gets up and locks the door to the steam room. And I think that's the end of Lysistrata Mancini. Yeah. I don't like, think that's, that his plan that's as worked. far as the, that's as far as that thread yeah. worked. Yeah. Plan didn't work. Um, oh, Jerome, Arizona is where we are. The Skylar Soap office. Oh, okay. Um, so they have to arrive together because there's only one car now. Um, and they meet this, this old guy, what seems like a real small potatoes kind of office. Um, and he's like, yeah, I have to go for lunch now because that, then I can't get my walk in. And he's got like a cane. He's like, and I have to adhere to this schedule. So meet me here at 7 a.m. And you can talk while I go on my morning walk the next morning. And then we're back in L.A. Kyle, I guess the band was a no-show on a Friday night. Is that what happened that Kyle's trying to deal with at the restaurant? Um, I don't know. There was a band there, but I couldn't tell. He was just having band problems. Peter, I think, is saying something to Amanda about how, like, there was an issue with the band. I don't know. But but Kyle is busy because he's talking to a band. So he doesn't see that Peter says he needs to talk to both Amanda and Kyle in private. Amanda's like, Kyle's busy. So they go off to Kyle's office alone together. I mean, it's not um, a furtive thing. It's just they're going to the back office together, but they don't tell Kyle why. And so he does see them going off together. So it continues his kind of like growing hatred and distrust of Peter. Not really misplaced. Uh, and that's when Peter takes out the suitcase and returns the money from Amanda's fake kidnapping. And he lies, and he just says that that guy, Mr. Beck, who is the one that his part of the, the diary is about, he's just like, he got the money for him. So Amanda knows that Peter had to pull some strings and something is not right here, but she thanks him and she hugs him, uh, of course, just as Kyle walks in. And Kyle also doesn't really understand where the money came from. He sort of questions it, and he's like, neither of them believe him, but they say thank you. Yeah, because you're getting your money back. Because they need the money. They do need the money. And, okay, so back at the Arizona motel, Ryan knocks on Megan's door, and she's not there, but well, her, her door is unlocked, open. which is, you know, the smart thing to do. Um, and so then he walks in, and I guess... I don't know if she has actual notes or a pitch or whatever on her bed, but he's just has no problem picking it up and looking at it. And of course, while it's in his hand, she comes back in. She was just out getting ice, getting ice. And she was like, look, I thanked you, but I don't owe you anything else, which is correct. Right. 
Um, and she's like, stop trying to steal my ideas. Yeah, which I just can't imagine what they would even be. But she must be a real wonderkin when it comes to employment. Um, and then we're back again with Amanda and Kyle, who tells him that she doesn't want him to keep tormenting Peter. And again, I think he says, well, why are you like constantly protecting him? And And they both are getting testy again, and they both say they wish they'd never read Matt's diary. Um, so Kyle gets up to get a beer from the fridge, and she goes into the kitchen and and she uh, lights the diary on fire. And then when he goes away, back to the bedroom, she grabs the hidden page that she torn out, and she lights that too. But not before mm-hmm. we see on that page the word PRISON in all caps. Do you think Amanda was in prison? Wouldn't that be a plot twist? Has she not been in prison at some point? I guess not. It's hard to tell on this I show. don't know. I think she was like, I think maybe she spent a couple nights Was in she prison, ever like fake arrested like, for an episode or something? I think she was arrested at one point, sure. But could you imagine though if she actually did hard time? That would make so much sense. Yeah. Oh, and I could see her thriving. Absolutely. She yeah. would like make that jail her bitch. Um, by the way, I don't think that's Matt's handwriting. In that diary. Just going to say that. I don't think so either. It's very bubbly. Yeah, it is. It's real, like, yearbook signing signature. Yeah. 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 Um, so we're still in Arizona. Oh, so the God. next morning, the next morning they've shown up at, like, 7 a.m., and which means it's an hour and a half before Michael sees the light of day. Um, and they are uh, waiting for the Skylar Soap guy. I guess I'll call him Skylar. Um, and this I also don't understand, because some construction union worker shows up and they're like what's going on they say it turns out some big conglomerate has bought out skylar soap but no one told the guy skylar soap was the MacGuffin. it was the MacGuffin, indeed but okay if no one ever had the heart to tell the old man that this big company had bought out his little company wouldn't he still be showing up at 7 a.m because he didn't know I got the impression from the behavior of the old man, he was completely bonkers and he had dementia and he had no idea what the hell was going on. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty excellent. That was my read. Um, you know, so and the whole thing, I just felt like was really stupid because it was clear they were doing a force. Uh, they were doing a forced proximity trope between exactly. Megan and this guy. Mm-hmm. And this was the only way they could think to do it. Yeah, I mean, there had to have been a cleaner way to... to there had to have been a better notes, way. Yeah. There had to have been a better way. Yeah. Earthquake. Earthquake. Sure, sure. Anything. But... Uh, uh, yeah. The door to the back room locks. Yeah. When she's... Whatever. Yeah. Or even uh, send them away and let them do the damn pitch. Like, that's the thing. Like, I was kind of like, well, why didn't you just let them do the pitch? You yeah, and then one of them the wins. And one of them yeah. wins. Yeah, like it just like I didn't understand why why they actually set this thing up as a MacGuffin. Like there was really no reason for that. They could have just pitched a exactly, fine. exactly, because it ends up we would get to the same place where exactly. we are. Exactly. There's still only one car, so he's still gonna drive her back to Phoenix. Exactly. Um, but rem- he's a gas jockey, remember? So hold on to that thought because um, we are back in LA again. Jane is again at dinner with Alex Bastian, um, and she asks if she can call Michael, who answers in like a kind of a breathy voice, because of course he is hiding at the restaurant, <laughs> spying on the two of them. He's in the palm fronds. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Um, 
so she's like, you sound a little weird. And he's like, uh, no, it's I'm just out of breath. Or I don't even know what he said. Um, so after she hangs up, Alex is saying that I think he thinks she's still into him. She's like, no. And he's like, well, then it won't matter if I kiss you. And so he kisses her, which, of course, Michael sees. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, again, we are in Arizona. And kind of like this storyline, Ryan, the gas jockey, the car maven, is out of gas. So what does he do immediately after they pull to the side of the road with no gas? He gets up to pee. Like, not even two seconds has that car been idle, and he's already like, oh, got to pee. Well, what were you planning on doing if you hadn't run out of gas? But it's it's worth it, because once he's, like, standing to the side of the car, Megan calls back from earlier in the episode, and she goes, she shouts that there's a snake, and he makes, like, a beeline onto the car, which is actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. I think Megan is the MVP of this episode. Because she, assert- she is constantly asserting herself. And aside from leaving her motel room unlocked in that one scene, I think she's doing nothing dumb. I would, but yeah, I think you're right. It's, I mean, the competition is not exactly fierce for that title in this episode, but nonetheless, I'll give Megan MVP. Um, okay, so this is a big showdown, if we have one. <sighs> Yeah. So Peter knocks on Lexi's door and he's like, what do you want? And she just immediately takes her dress off. As, yeah, as you were saying. <laughs> but, and you know, it's like, who does this really hurt? Lexi. But, um, but why? She's like, you know, it's like, I want you to have sex with me. I don't even like you, but if you don't, I'm going to tell Amanda what I know. Yeah. So, so he does what I would, do. I mean, I wouldn't do anything Peter does ever, including that Gwyneth haircut, but, but he calls her bluff. He's like, okay, then tell Amanda. So she puts a dress on and she goes off to tell Amanda at the club. So then Peter calls from Lexi's apartment and Kyle answers. And even though we see Amanda like talking to some friends at the bar with an eye shot, um, Kyle lies and he's like, no, I don't know where Amanda is. Um, and Peter's like, well, can you find her? I demand that I talk to her. Uh, so Kyle just hangs up on him. And I have a question. Because it looks like Amanda is like genuinely having a good conversation with these other people at the bar. Yeah. Do they have other friends outside of M- Melrose Place? Like, are they friends with regulars by now who are coming to Kyle's or the upstairs? Because hang out with them. I know. But I don't think that they're friends with anybody. It, uh, yeah. I think they're more acquaintances. All signs, all signs mm-hmm. point to to know. Yeah. Um. Oh, but we we interrupt the flow of this scene because we return once more to Arizona because Ryan and Megan have just been sitting in the car on the side of the road all night and they've sort of been bonding. So then, of course, he gets territorial and tries to kiss her and she tells him not to. Um. And she's, she, you know, she just says like, I, she can't get involved with anyone. Right. Um, so then Lexi storms into the bar and says, wait till the bitch hears this. <laughs> um, and Peter arrives just in time to see them start to talk, or I guess Lexi is talking and Amanda's about to listen. Um, and that's our cliffhanger. Uh, we're on a cliffy. Yeah. So, uh, will Lexi get to tell Amanda and, uh, how will this blow up? My guess is not in any satisfactory way. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was our episode. Megan is the MVP, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, poor Skylar Soap. I don't know what to say. I know. The old, poor old guy. All right. I'm done. Uh, we're done. So we'll see you again in a week when we return to um, episode 711 of Melrose Place. Uh, and meanwhile, we are uh, flashing to the future. And we'll be joined by a special guest. And you'll hear a bit more about what uh, I did on my winter vacation. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward, so I'm going over to the boulevard now. Awesome. Come join me. Catch us there. You guys, stay well, and we'll see you next week when we are again back on the block. Bye. (laughs) 